Hello, I'm Britannia, consciousness coach, trainer, and explorer of what it means to be human. Welcome to Inspiring Global Transformation. I will be interviewing pioneers, thought leaders, and leaders of companies from all over the world. People who walk to a different beat, have chosen a different path, and in doing so are leading the way for global transformation. My hope is that these ideas will inspire, encourage, and support you to get involved or to start something of your very own. Today I'm going to be speaking with Adrian Rides. He's the founder of The Now Project in London and a mindfulness trainer and coach. And beyond that, the reason I've asked him to speak is because he has really deepened my own personal experience of being present and being in the moment. Um, I hope you enjoy this interview as much as I enjoyed it. And here is Adrian. Super. Um, I was just saying thank you ever so much for making the time to join me today on this podcast and for sharing your wisdom with all of us. Okay, a wisdom, that's scary. <laughs> it's your wisdom. It doesn't have to be everyone well, else's wisdom. I don't know. I don't know. Cat has wisdom. Yeah. Well, so I think she she doesn't just have wisdom. She has absolute control over everything, <laughs> including me. <laughs> I suppose what intrigued me about speaking to you was um, our conversation when we were sitting in the pub a few yes. weeks ago. I think, actually, do you want to just start by sharing a little bit about you and your journey? Oh, dear. <laughs> <laughs> but also, why, why being mindful, why this path means so much to you? It's everything. Your, your state of being is absolutely primary. And yeah, external circumstances are secondary because it's all experienced from an internal state of being. So it is the most important thing that there is. There is nothing more important than your state of being because everything else depends upon that. And then for you, maintaining that state of being, what does, how do you do that? What do I do it or does it happen? I don't know. And if it just happens, <laughs> how, do you, how do you allow it to just happen? Because there's a lot of people who struggle allowing it to happen. <laughs> how, do you, how do you allow? I don't think there is any action involved in allowing. Even, even the question itself is unnecessary. And I get that. And I'm also very aware that for some people, getting into that allowing space, it's letting go, isn't it? Yes, it is. Even the trying's taking you away. Exactly. <laughs> because as soon as you try, it's an effort. Um, it was interesting. I'm on my Facebook recently, I'm going to do um, a, a blog about... Um, because I see when I read through sort of advice and, um, you know, things that people are talking about, um, there's either sort of these motivation people that are sort of, you know, try harder and, you know, have all of these um, habits that you ingrain into your life and you'll be successful. Oh no, and you feel terrible. <laughs> <laughs> you'll manifest cars and big houses and private jets and you'll be constantly like that. Oh. Um, that's what I mean about the privacy of being. Yeah. Because if you're still stressed, you're still worried, you're still anxious, you're still chasing, you're still looking, you're still craving, you're still not enough and you've got your private jet and you're in big trouble. And I find as well that the more I try to control who I'm being from a sense of ego, control, control, control. the more it breaks down. I'm going to get up and do yoga every morning and I'm going to do this yes, much exercise yes, and I'm going to do all yes, of that. Yes, I'll suddenly yes. get ill. And the whole thing will fall apart. Well, because, because your being, which is primary, is one of lack and need and shortage and chasing after. It is indeed. Yeah. Um, so yes, yes, we can create things through you know, focusing and thoughts and striving and chasing, but they will contain the vibration from where they came. Absolutely. So if you create your first million from a place of lack, then one million won't be enough. Or it'll disappear. You create your 10 million from a place of like 10 million won't be enough. No matter how many millions you have, you'll never be enough. So if somebody's in that state, how do they shift? They don't. Shift happens. How do you allow shift, shift to happen? Again, you're trying. <laughs> <laughs> okay. To let him go. 
It's a letting go. It's a letting go of your will. And for me, I, I sense also there's a trust element to it as well. Oh, yes, yes, absolutely. Of course. Can't trust this moment. What can you trust? Can't trust your your being. What can you trust? You certainly can't trust your ego. No, no. Not one word of it. No. And the ego is so kind of um, layered as well. There's so much to it. It's, you know, you can't just... No, should we not even give any attention? To me... Let's just ignore it completely. Sorry? Let's ignore it completely. <laughs> Absolutely. Because <laughs> it wants your attention. It does. It wants you to understand it. Because it's only through your attention that it comes into being. For me as well, the ego is a little bit about, well, it's, to me, it's everything about survival as well. Yes. So every time I'm thinking about surviving or doing something to be accepted, to fit in, to um, not be rejected, to make a life that I want, all of that to me comes from survival, um, yes. which is ego for me as well. It's fear-based. Yeah. And that's what you're transmitting is the fear of consciousness. Yeah. That's what you're creating, more of the same. You have to, because that's the world you're living for. It's all a reflection of your vibrational field. This is the issue I have with goals. I've I've sat there and I've also they don't feel right to me. No, because it's come from a place of lag. So, what's your thoughts on intentions, and how's the difference? It, it depends on where that intention is coming from. You see, you're creating with your intention all of the time. Yes. Unconsciously, but you're not creating, you, and you create with thoughts. But the outcome of that will depend upon the vibrational, emotional intention behind it. Yeah. So I strive, I strive, I strive, I strive to strive to win my gold medal. Oh no, that was last. That was yesterday. I'm still not enough. Absolutely. Not that there's anything wrong with gold medals. And actually, the no. likelihood of achieving them is much greater when we embrace being. Yes. It's funny, actually, the Rugby World Cup has been on recently. Yes. And I love, it's one of the few sports I enjoy watching. Um, but part of the reason that I really enjoy it is because I can see when a, t a team has decided it's not going to win. And it's got nothing to do with the talent or yes. the players on the field. Yes. It's yes. to do with their mindset. Yes. Yes, and, and, and if they can hold all of them, and uh, sportsmen are very good at this, they have a special name for it, don't they? They call it the zone. Yes. Yes, where they enter that place of thoughtless awareness, and it is that place of being. And, and they almost kind of develop some supernatural skills there. I mean, you watch some footballers, you know, they, they just know. They, they know where their teammate is. They know the goalkeeper is just about to open his legs before yeah. he's put the ball through. They're, they're operating on a different level. And, and, and no matter how hard you train physically or intellectually, that's the magic. That, yeah. That's the bit that makes the difference. Absolutely. I'm totally with you. I remember somebody once explaining it to me as in, um, it's not playing tennis, it's tennising. You know, you are the game of tennis. You're yes, not playing yes, the yes. game of tennis. It's amazing. Art, literature, this. If it was rehearsed, it wouldn't be anywhere near as much fun, would it? Um, I actually, and, and, and it would limit the flow absolutely, and, and restrict the potential completely um, I've done a I've actually trained um, authentic um, public speaking yes. um, and I've taken I've, you know I've taught it for a little bit and one of the things that I've said to them is it has to come from inside yes. the more that you script something it's authentic if it doesn't is it no. <laughs> and, and what I do as part of the course is I show two different videos um, and I show a video of people who are scripted and absolutely yes. sort of, and they, they're, they're great performances, but there's yes. something that just doesn't move you deep inside. Yes. And then yes. you'll watch, and then I'll show a clip, obviously, of something that is much more authentic. And, yes. and it catches you, it moves you, it because, does because something to you. Because on another level, there's another sense going on there, isn't there? Absolutely. And, it, and it's a recognition of that primacy of being, of, of where that came from. That, that intention. Yeah. You know, this, is, this is why politicians are so fake. 
because they're very good at lying with their face and with their mouths, but you can't hide your vibrational intent. You can't. And I think that the, the world is definitely shifting and changing because people, yes. Yes. I mean, we've, we've been aware of it for a lot longer, but we're just not accepting it anymore. Yes. Yes. As much. I think yes. we're sort of in this flux where we can see that there's a problem, but we just don't quite know what the solution well, is. Because we won't know what, because the solution isn't on the level of thinking. No. The solution is on the level of being. Absolutely. There's something Every, else. Everything is on the level of being. And, and there's something that I've noticed that gives me great delight. Um, you know, instead of leadership in corporates and things like that, quite often it's a masculine environment. Um, and there's lots of sort of feminist talk about how it shouldn't be, there should be as many female leaders and whatever. And to me, that's never going to get changed on that level. Quite already you're making, well, you're twisting me up with that stuff. Stop <laughs> it. <laughs> But, what but, I'm but, but nothing good is going to come from that. No, 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 absolutely not. You know, and, you know, and I think it's great to want to change these things. Yes. And, and to bring about change in the world. And I've been involved in the anti-war movement. But I would stay away from stop the war because it's they're what? such angry buggers. Exactly. Yeah. And you're not going to stop war with anger. No. You're, <laughs> you're going to stop war with the transmission of love. Exactly. And the transmission of peace. So if we're not very careful, even though we're very passionate and the causes that we're, that we're involved in can be very real and very important, if we're coming from it from the wrong transmission, we are part of the problem. I, I am absolutely 100% behind you on that. Um, there's so many organisations that it's almost like the, they're, they're the reflection of what it is that they're fighting. Yes. They're almost the opposite, oh, but they carry oh. the same energy. Now, isn't that interesting? It's all a reflection yeah. of what it is you're fighting. But what I was saying about the leadership, which I've found quite interesting, is um, I'm quite heavily involved in the coaching world. Yes. And, um, I'm actually on the board of the UK ICF at the moment. And one of our dilemmas is that um, we're pretty much a middle-aged white female organisation. I mean, there are exceptions, but you know, we're looking at diversity and things like that. It's quite a challenge for a lot of the people on in that organisation, in that community, because we wanted to be more diverse. But what I've realised is that if you have that masculine leadership um, hierarchy stuff going on here, but then on the subtle level, you have this feminine coming in to work with the leadership, and that wasn't orchestrated, you know, by people thinking this is how it can shift and change energies. But it's like what you were saying, it's come from a place of being. And yes. to me, that is causing a shift and a change. And I just find it so magical. That is the shift. That's all you have to do. Yeah. So that is, that's all you have to do, is, is change the state of your being. Be what you want to see. <laughs> I, I'm hesitating to ask you how. <laughs> Because <laughs> I know you're not going to give me any house. <laughs> Can you breathe? Deep breaths. No, no, just breathing is enough. No, no particular technique. You've been doing it all your life. It's no big deal. It's not complicated. But is it just <laughs> being aware of it? or? It's okay. You're coming to your body. How does it, how does it feel to sit in the chair? How does it feel to breathe? And bring your full attention into your body into this present moment a space starts to appear in your mind and you really get very good at that there's a, a space of no thought of pure being so it's more being and less thinking actually something that i've realized i've dropped into that space a number of times um and when i'm very aware when i'm in that space i realize that the ego makes me feel very uncomfortable well, yes of course it does it's losing its grip it's losing its grip because because from that space you will make choices have uh, realizations and insights from outside of its understanding new ideas is it never been thought of before totally fresh ways of exploring things you, you can't get from ego because ego is just conditioned nothing can you can come from the past no it can't it just comes from what you've experienced and and that's just more the same exactly yeah so what we're dealing with here is a shift in intelligence or, or rather a realization of how stupid we've been <laughs> 
know what's so lovely? It's when we realise that we've all been <laughs> as stupid as this. When, yes. when we realise it's not just us, there's not something fundamentally wrong with us, but that we're all flawed. Then it's yes. easy to laugh at it because then it's just, it's a shared silliness. You start, you start laughing at your silliness. You, you, that, that, that smartness. Yeah. I've realised that was something I had an insight about. I realised that the ego, the one way to get rid of the ego is to laugh. Breathe. Right, it's easier than that. Go on then. Bring attention onto your breath. <laughs> okay. No, no, seriously, stay with me, I'll show you. Stay focused fully on me now, here and now. Stay with me. Where is your ego now? I don't know. It's disappeared. It's gone. It's gone. It's gone. It doesn't live now. No. So <laughs> <laughs> much easier than you thought. <laughs> <laughs> You see, it's the ego that wants to complicate. I need to read books on this. Yeah, and it wants to control. Everything. Oh, how, how should I be breathing? Well, not through your ears, that's for sure. <laughs> you can try. Um, I was watching um, a video that you did with, or a program that you did with Conscious TV. Yes. Um, and in it, you spoke about working with people in crisis. Yes. Um, and I'm just curious to know a bit more about that. What about the work, or, or yeah. with, well, the work I do? Yeah. Oh, I see a free way when I work with is in crisis, <laughs> even if they don't know it yet. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not on different scales. <laughs> it's a crisis for one person. Yeah, no, no, no. Crisis is a very important part of the awakening process, isn't it? Yeah, it, it, it's only really when our, you know, our mental frameworks in which we blocked our understanding of the world in start to crack open do we have any chance of seeing beyond them. Yeah. If, you, if you can live in the box, you're staying in the box. But when that box becomes so uncomfortable and so tormented and starts to crack, then there's an opening. And it is, it, it is the suffering that drives people to awaken. Yeah. It's an essential part of the process. I have found, I have found a couple of people that have changed through, not through that, but nearly everyone I've met has changed through that. Yeah. It's a good driver, isn't it? Some form of pain. <laughs> Good driver. Very good driver. <laughs> Do you find that you still have that driver in your life? Oh, of course I have pain. Um, less, less historical pain. There's less karmic pain there. Well, my wife told calls the pain body. It's been 20 years, I suppose, gradually working through that with you know, better success sometimes than others. Um, but it's no, there's not much historical stuff there anymore. If the present moment requires pain, you know, I feel I, I you know, I, I'm very sensitive. I you know I, I sense other people's emotions. I feel deeply, but but only when it's really appropriate to reality. Yes, my, it my self-inflicted mental suffering is 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 pretty absent on the whole these days and maybe people would tell you otherwise and I you know I don't claim to be 100% conscious I do fall into unconscious periods sometimes deeply unconscious periods but but mercifully not for very long these days and they don't tend to take me too far and you, you spoke about working through your sort of karmic yes pain. yes how, how do you do that Oh dear. <laughs> I found sometimes, actually I've had a bit of a realisation today, because some, somehow I've kind of, I feel that it's about allowing it just to be. Yes. But I've found that it's subtle, because yes. allowing it to be, and then there's immersing yourself in it, and immersing yourself in uh, it doesn't work. No, <laughs> it feels that, pretty horrible. Yeah, but that's, a, that's an egoic engagement with it. Yes. That's a mental indulgence in it. Yeah. Yeah, because because when that body of pain has been triggered, it, it is looking to be renewed, and it will renew itself through your thinking, yeah, and it will possess the ego, uh, and the ego will start to this anxiety, it will start to worry, what if maybe then what, and oh dear, and, and, and that all those thoughts feed the anxiety, 
and then the anxiety grows and then we think it becomes panicky and then we act out and react and we we project more pain and suffering into the world and we make stupid decisions and we panic and and it will it manifests itself in our physical world yeah. even if we fall you know, from that place of anxiety we work really hard and make something happen it would turn out to cause us even more stress exactly yeah. because it, it renews itself that's what i'm talking about karma yeah you now you might have a very sort of angry sort of karmic feel you know, where we're you know the mind's moaning complaining it's feeding it and growing and that becomes our reality and then we really are miserable buggers to be around and we really do upset people we do find ourselves in a world full of angry people but we don't realize that we're creating it yeah and i may just be angry when they're with us <laughs> yeah. and, and that's how it works that's what i mean by karma you know and, and you don't need to believe in reincarnation to understand there's a deep historical element to this stuff absolutely it goes back to before you were born we pick up from our parents we, we, we it's a transmission from our ancestors you know just how far back does that anxiety or that anger or that sense of guilt go back you know it's it, we're born into it I've actually even noticed in my own family how certain ailments travel down through the generations. Yes. Um, yeah, it's just quite fascinating. My great-grandfather um, was buried alive and it damaged his oh, intestines. Yeah. Um, and then one of my current relatives has, you know, yeah. intestinal yeah. issues. Yeah. And they've never been buried alive or had any trauma. No, no, that no. no, that's where in my family but part of it, tracing the ancestry back, they worked in a glass factory, pathology mirrors, and uh, they all died of shredded lungs without the glass. Wow. You know, how far back does it go? So, so when you're aware of something like that, what, yes. how do you release it? You don't. Awareness does. So because the you, the you is ego. That awareness space and then it just allows it to relax because the, because the you is ego you don't do anything yeah you get out you get out of the way and you know there's so much joy when you get out of the way that's what my <gasps> thing is oh, now look at your transmission now look at your transmission <laughs> you see so what you create from here is manifestly different in quality absolutely i feel like i'm on a bicycle at the moment <laughs> <laughs> and I'm nearly balancing, but I haven't quite got it yet. <laughs> fall off, it's okay. <laughs> I think I've fallen off a lot of times. <laughs> I fell 18 years ago and I'm still falling. <laughs> and there is, I think that's one realisation I've had recently as well, is that, well I've had it for a long time, but it's just become clearer recently. Is that when you when you aren't being you, when you sink beneath all of that and in that space, yes. it's it's and there's immense joy and wonder yes. and yes. and that's all there really is, isn't it? And, and infinite possibility. Yeah. And effortlessness. Yeah. It's so much more fun than the other way, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> and the funny thing is, I've noticed it. Um, I noticed it when I was getting divorced. Um, I remember as a, as a about 21 year old, my ex-husband said to me, you know, what's, what do you want out of life? What's your dreams? And I said, I want to own a house in Botswana and grow trees. <laughs> <laughs> and he thought I was mad because we were in England at the time. And he was like, what? <laughs> you know, you're 21. Why on earth do you want to own, own a house in Botswana and grow trees? Anyway, a number of years later, we did own a house in Botswana and have trees that I planted and grown. <laughs> but obviously, when we got divorced, the one thing that he didn't want me to have was the house. But what I noticed was that whenever I became attached to the house and the feeling that I needed this house for my happiness, yes. um, it, it seemed like I would lose it. Yes, and then it was almost like my stress levels would get to a certain yes. point and it was like a trigger. It was like, OK, I can't cope with this way of thinking any longer. And then I'd just let it all go and think, you know what? Um, I'd also worked on the Cape Flats in, um, in Cape Town years ago in a tiny little hut with virtually nothing. And I was very happy. And I kind of go, you know what? You lived in the Cape Flats. You were really happy then. You know, you can be happy anywhere with anything. And then I'd let it all go. And then things would shift and change. And I mean, in the end, we, kept, we ended up keeping the house. But it went through a number of these iterations of fear and panic and letting go, and fear and panic and letting go. <laughs> so it is quite amazing. 
there was something else I wanted to ask you about. Um, when we were chatting in the pub, you did a healing on me. You were blowing energy. <laughs> I'd love it if you could share more about that. Oh, it's, it's, what is it to share? What would you like me to share? Where it comes from? I suppose whatever you feel moved to share. Yeah. When you hold this state of awareness, something comes through. It comes through in the footballer, it comes through in the artist, it comes through in the teacher, it comes through as an expression through you. And it is, it's an expression, I suppose, that has, that has arisen through me. Um, I'm not the only one that, that does this, but it is an important part of our retreats. And when I do one-to-one -one work with people, it, it does seem to be the most useful thing to do. Uh, and essentially, it's a, I suppose you could call it a meditation exercise, um, whereby we enter that vibrational field, where we, we take our attention completely out of thought and we through that space in our mind into that state of, of, of beingness and, and in that state of beingness we're accessing a more subtle dimension to reality and, and that opens up huge possibilities not least for for healing and the, the, the exercise I do with people I'll show you a very sort of a bridge version of it is, is about really healing that shadow part of ourselves that we project into the world unconsciously. The fear, the anger, the, the resentment, the lack, the need, the wanting, that the, 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 the we create our reality with unconsciously. And by bringing these emotions from our shadows to karmic field into our awareness, there is an opportunity for healing. And, and this exercise is essentially really about healing that, that shadow self. And there's a sometimes it can be a very a dramatic experience for people sometimes a real a real cathartic experience and there may be big shifts of uh, of emotion that they've carried maybe for many years and uh, and in the healing of that there is a, a shift in the vibrational field and uh, a change in the state of being which projects something different into the field of consciousness and, and the reality that we create there you go. Uh, <laughs> In a nutshell. <laughs> I, I really get it. Um, it's about, it's, I mean, it's sort of going back to what you said earlier about it's not me, it's not I. Yes. It, the healing happens through me. Yes. When so I get out of the way. When I get out of the way, my best talks, the best work I do, you know, when I come out, I have to ask people what I've said. Oh, uh, yeah. I, I, I mean, absolutely. Because I wasn't there. I wasn't there. Yeah, no, I completely agree with you on that. And and it, it leaves me feeling completely inspired and alive. I don't think there's an, a more, yeah, it's that alive feeling. It's like every part of you is tingling with joy. Um, yeah, well it is. And yet it was nothing to do with me. <laughs> you, can, you, can, you can feel the energy in your body. Yeah. Now, that, that's the transmission, that's the teaching. That's it. This is my coaching. Hands between the words. Because as we, as we connect here through Zoom, there is a transmission of energy. Yeah. Yeah. My frequency helps to raise, because you're ready, because your frequency is quite close to that, it, it rises too. And there is there's a shift in our state of consciousness, a shift in our state of being. And that's the work. That's it. That's what we've got to do. Books and things like that that are written by people of a higher frequency. You feel it, don't you? You, you do. feel it in the book. Yeah. You feel it in the video. Uh, I've been listening to Eckhart Tolle. You know, just God, so, you know, if, if I can stay awake because he's boring as hell, isn't he? But the, <laughs> the, but the transmission, wow, is it immense, isn't it? It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter that he's as boring as hell because that's not the point. I don't know. I love his dry humour. I no, just I do. I, I, I'm playing. But, but he does. But it, it's not about what he says because I've heard it a million times before. It, yeah. it, it is his state of being is the teaching. Absolutely. I love what he says. He says something about one of his books and how when it became popular, it got into the hands of the wrong people. 
Um, and it was more that, you know, he got all these messages and stuff about, you know, your book doesn't make sense. It's <laughs> rubbish. What are you talking about? And he was just laughing and saying, you know, they, you know, they weren't ready. Um, and there's no, there was no um, defence in him about it. Of course not. There's no ego to defend. No, Who was offended? Yeah. Then it was just so beautiful the way he put it. It was just, you know, they've picked up the wrong book. <laughs> for them at this stage of it where... It really wasn't for them. And, and actually they haven't picked up the wrong book because, yeah, you don't know what kind of shift is going on. No, you don't. Uh, they might pick it up in 15 years' time and it, it means something. Um, I bumped into someone recently, actually. Um, apparently I'd given a talk when I first got here. And it's a bit like what you were saying. I, I really don't... I mean, I remember going to the venue. I remember the event. I don't remember giving the talk at all. <laughs> but anyway, apparently I said something that really challenged his way of thinking. Um, and apparently he told me he left feeling quite rattled or triggered or whatever about it um but then we met two years afterwards and he said he'd been doing i don't know what he'd been doing but he'd been doing a lot of something else and that it's it suddenly all made sense to him um and i just think that's so wonderful you have no idea what your being is is changing in the world um and it does rattle people oh absolutely it does rattle people it will bring stuff up in people you know, I find people get really quite angry and upset in my talks. Sometimes I provoke them. <laughs> That's very mischievous of you. Because <laughs> they need to look at something. Because they need to look at something. And I read a lady storm out of talk at the retreat this weekend because I offended her fetus. I didn't offended her fetus, I offended her cell had been her identity yeah her sense, of, uh, uh, her sense of who she is so i'd offended her understanding of reality yeah and, and that brought something out and she needs to look at that and the offending her was the teaching and and the beauty as well is that even if she doesn't accept it it'll heighten her sensitivity to other things like it so even if she doesn't want to she will become more aware about it Something's been triggered. Yeah. It's a magical place we live in, isn't it? Yeah, when we get out of the way, we just start enjoying it. It's like a roller coaster, isn't it? Roller coasters are great fun, <laughs> just as long as you don't think you're driving. <laughs> I've never done that. I've never yeah. been one thought that <laughs> driving. Just your hands in the air and enjoy the ride. <laughs> For me, it's when they go a little too fast and they drop a little too far. That's I, I love roller coasters. I absolutely love them. Oh, no. <laughs> For me, my escapes. But uh, yeah, there was one that I remember thinking, "Hmm, this has left me feeling decidedly uncomfortable." <laughs> yeah, maybe that's the point. Well, I think no, it's no, maybe fun. maybe in the discomfort, like you know, there's learning, isn't there, and growth, and that's you know, that's that's the whole point, really. That's why, but isn't yeah. that also just the ego yeah. wanting to hold on? Oh, I don't know. Do you know, I can't be asked to ask answer questions like that because it requires me to think, oh. and, and that's the ego thinking. It is. I don't know. Do you know? I know nothing. I know absolutely nothing. Don't ask me anything because I have no answers. Yes, the eye doesn't. Really. <laughs> My ego has. But I don't really care much for its opinion. <laughs> I encourage you not to <laughs> So I suppose what's coming up for me now is really just to talk about the Now Project that you're in. Yeah. It's, what is it? Now? I don't change his shape. See, I don't even know what that is either. Because I don't think it's kind of decided yet. I think it's just still deciding. And it, and it has taken many shapes and forms and people have come and gone. But there's a kind of, it's an evolution. Now, and I say to people in the talks and retreats that I'm not the NOW project, the team aren't the NOW project. There's the project. You're the project. 
because by bringing this state of awareness in, into the world, by helping develop our state of being, we, we, we change the world. And we have agents embedded all over the system. <laughs> conscious teachers, conscious coaches, conscious bankers, conscious accountants, conscious doctors, who are through their being bringing change into the world. And that's really what the NAB project is about. And choice as well. Different choices so that we can choose. Yes. It would all be different. We, when I was a little boy, there was a, a program on television called Tomorrow's World. Oh yes. Do you remember that? Yes, that, thank you. that dates you. For the people much younger than us, Tomorrow's World was a program where um, they looked forward to the distant future, thirty years ahead, and predicted what it was going to be like in the year two thousand and beyond, and. Um, it was going to be a wonderful world, wasn't it? Because robots were going to do everything, weren't they? They, they were going to do your housework, they could do your ironing, they were going to pack your sandwiches, they were going to do everything. They, robots would do all the dangerous work, so there'd be no more dangerous work. Robots would do all the boring work, so there'd be no more, no more boring work. In fact, there'd be no more work. Right. Wasn't that going to be great? Yeah, because everybody would be free to enjoy the benefits of this technology, free to create and be abundant and, and be of service to the world. And, and it was going to be this wonderful utopian world we were living. Why not? Because of us. Why not? The ego. The resources are here. Absolutely. The technology is here. All that's missing is the state of consciousness to bring it into. Absolutely. And that's the work of the NOW project. That's beautiful work. It's everybody's work. Absolutely. You're part of it now too. <laughs> Damn, how did I manage that? <laughs> <laughs> it was actually, there was a movie, um, can't remember what the name of it is um but it's about a guy in america who used to send letter bombs um and he'd sort of but the whole reason was he was trying to get people to realize that that robots were running our lives and it wasn't making sense um and that speaks to me very much about what you were saying exactly but we've invented flights and you know, sometimes they work, but other times at midnight when there's no one around, we still have to stop. <laughs> no, no, I thought that was a good idea. <laughs> On the whole. <laughs> and any, any evolution that happens is not going to create more space until we change, until we... Until we change, absolutely. Yeah. And it's happening. In fact, we're having this conversation. It is happening. Yeah. It is happening. Very small numbers of people as yet. But, but a great deal more than there was. A, a huge amount. More. And it's escalating. You know, just the the speed in which people are awakening now. It, you know, wow, it staggers me. Yeah. Uh, I'm seeing people making you know, very big shifts in short periods, which, which has consequences. You know, that's not always an easy ride. Uh, and uh, but it's, uh, it's it's certainly escalating. There's a there's a, a, a big shift in frequency now, and we're going to see that shaking out in the wild. I expect on a material level, you know, the old world. Yes, the world is already collapsing, isn't it? And, uh, which is great, wonderful. We shouldn't be fearful of that. It's, yeah. Uh, there's this is an opportunity for change. This is you know, it has to collapse. It has to has to fall apart because it's very dysfunctional. If they, you know, you can't have a system, you know, why would you engage in a system that doesn't serve you? you know, it's, uh, so, but I, and I, I'm quietly confident in my, my senses that the transition could be quite seamless. Yeah. I found, um, I had an, a, a sort of an insight a little while ago um, in regards to the dreaded Brexit. <laughs> I realised that, and you know, it's the as above, so below kind of concept. Um, that 
it's it's what you allow into your space that yeah. or who you're being yeah. that creates your experience. It's a balance of vibration. You've been played by both sides. Absolutely, but yeah. the, and, and and it's it's by creating that vibration of fear it holds you in this material reality. And I think also the more that that we listen to it, the more that we we feed our fear through it. The more it. we create it. Exactly. Um, and I suppose that's what I was sort of realising was um, that I'm aware that Brexit is happening, but it isn't. Well, in I'm, not, I'm, I'm not sure it is, but let's not go there. Yes. Yeah. No. <laughs> yeah. I, I suspect there, there are people <laughs> that decided that we're not having that. <laughs> but, but that's fine, you see. And, and again, I think this is part of the shift is why would you give these people your authority? Exactly. Who, who gave them your authority? Who, 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 you gave your authority away and you can take it back. They're not deserving of your authority. They can't be trusted with it. You, you can take that authority and you can focus it where you choose. And this is the shift. And I think what we're seeing is, is all these political systems will collapse. Because they're dysfunctional. Both sides are playing you. Oh, absolutely. And the side in the middle is playing you. And they're not actually... Because, really because, because, because it all comes from that level of consciousness. It all comes from that level of ego. It's a huge level of ego. Well, at the far end of that, that spectrum. Because, because that's the paradigm in which we've been living. So, of course, that's what's happened. But as this shift happens, they lose their authority. Because you don't give it to them, you take it back. And the authority comes from here. I've always been a bit of an anarchist. <laughs> I think I've always been a bit of a rebel. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not an anarchist, but I've been a rebel at heart in some ways. <laughs> because you don't need these external structures. I don't understand them. Well, they're, they're not understandable, they're insane. Exactly. And they're taking away your authority. And it's even um, like school. I find it so hard to put my children through school because I can see in them this beauty, this just, this energy that's just so delicious and gorgeous. And I send them off to school and I see them trying to squash it and shape it and tell it it's wrong and it should be like this and this, you know, just... That's the purpose of education in the, in the goic system is to do just that. Yeah. Yeah, this is doing exactly as intended. Which is, which is why I think you know, teachers can suffer some stress and burnout. Oh, absolutely. Because, you know, I mean, I've a lot of, met a lot of teachers in my time, a lot of children. <laughs> and, and, without, and without exception, you know, the, the people I've met are thoroughly delightful people. You know, lovely people who, who go into that work because they care. And, and they want the best for children and they and they give their you know they're not paid well they're not doing it for the money they're, they're, they're doing it because they're special people and they want to give to children and they want to you know, that's what they want to do but there, there's a conflict in them because their education what they've been trained to do what they've been told by the positives and the directives and the mindset that they've been given offends something in them it offends something it offends their, their, their being, their, their core humanity, and, you know, that, and that makes people ill. Yeah. yeah. It's, uh, but that's the same in many of these systems, isn't it? You know, they, 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 they cause you to abandon your, your being, and affect your, your, whole, your whole vibration field. Now, with education, we've known for more than 40 years that stress damages children's ability to learn. We, it, we know that it's not it's not new and it's very likely it damages their brain so that they will never possibly access higher levels of intelligence so why would you create an education system that stresses children you know i sometimes ask about mindfulness in schools i said why do they need mindfulness in schools just stop stressing the kids <laughs> <laughs> the problem is that you can't just stop stressing the kids because the teachers are stressed and the whole system is is, is operating that vibration absolutely 
I know you do a lot of business coaching. That's what you're interested in. But I know, and and just recently, you know, um, I got quite excited about this because I've been getting to do the opportunity to do some work at a very different level in the companies. You know, and exploring things. What is the emotion of your organisation? Mm. What what is the emotion of your organisation? What is what is the the vibrational feel of your organisation? What, what do people feel when they come to work? They feel stressed and anxious. I mean, I've worked in organisations that are panic stricken. Yeah. That everybody's living. They're all going sick. They're all going ill. They're they're all making stupid decisions because their whole vibration of the organisation is one of panic. Yeah. How would it be if that organisation was had a very different intention? They might lose a lot of employees, though. <laughs> <laughs> Not to say. a whole lot of new ones. <laughs> yeah, maybe the ones you want. Maybe if you turn it all around, they're still stressing people, that you you help them, you encourage them to create some space, that they could, that they, that they could bring their own insights in, their, their own creativity, rather than turn them on to do their own awareness. How would it be if, if you created a working environment where people cared for each other, where there was a genuine care, not an egoic care, you know, an attention to, to people's well-being, proper attention? And we, we genuinely value people. You don't just have the duty of care, you just care. Yeah, really care. Yeah. Not, not pretending to care because it's policy or because government says you should or because it's, national, it's mental health week. Yeah? But because you genuinely care. Yeah? How would it be, what would that do to the office environment? What would that do to the quality of communication? Where people were free to express their ideas, where they were free to, to contribute. Well, were they part of something? Where, where, it, where it was their organisation too. Yeah, and they were they're shaping it with their own creativity. Yeah. Will you encourage that? What kind of organisation would you create? How would that affect people dealing with you? What would they feel down the phone or when they walk into your reception? I think that's good business. I think it's, yeah. As you know, I'm quite passionate about that kind of a business. Yeah. Yeah, you know, that, that excites me. <laughs> and you can't, you can't fake it. No. It has to. People know. They know. They know they're being heard. And in fact, small businesses have to do this to survive. Yeah. Yeah, they've got to be good at what they do. They've got to care. They've got to put their attention in. They've got to give good service. Um, I had a really amazing relationship with my colleague actually when I was in Botswana, and it was a joy. It was such a joy. Um, and because we'd been through similar training, so we understood the whole, I suppose, our language around consciousness. Mm -hmm. Not to say that our language is the right language, just that we understood a common language. Um, and we'd hold each other up. So, you know, if one of us came in and we were cross about something, we would remind ourselves. Um, and it was wonderful because we'd end up laughing. And, you know, you couldn't be unaware. You couldn't fall unconscious because there were other people supporting you to be conscious. Um, and it was, it was amazing. It was such a beautiful space to work in. And you, and you, you got over things quickly. Yes. Because your ego is not holding on to them. Because even if you wanted to, you couldn't. <laughs> because there was nowhere to hide. <laughs> because everyone could see you, like really see you. <laughs> Which was fabulous. Really lovely. Um, I did actually want to speak to you about sort of leadership and mindfulness in leadership. Yes. Because I know it was something that we had quite a sort of discussion around. When yes. we, so you said that things have started to shift and you've started to work in new ways. I, I have, but I think the whole, the whole notion of, of leadership and mindfulness is incompatible. Absolutely. No, I, I actually agree yeah. with you because, yeah. because it's, it's egoic in its very nature. Yes. Yeah. And if you're being led, then you're not being authentic. But do you think that there's... It's a collaboration. And, and, and I think this is where it becomes very interesting is when we enter that state of being, we are connected. Actually, the, the leadership is coming from beyond us. Yeah. So there's a collaboration 
Uh, it amuses me sometimes. I work with people. I find that they're, that they're doing things that, that, that I'd like them to do, and I'm asking them to do. Oh, <laughs> lovely! <laughs> and, and they're doing it better than I would have wanted them to do. Yeah. In ways that I hadn't thought of, and but it's coming to them independently. Yeah. Yeah. So, so maybe we're, maybe we're all. None of us are leaders. No. Maybe, maybe real leaders are just listening to that conscious direction. Yeah, and I think as well for me, especially, it's about support. It's almost lifting, except then again, it's an ego thing, but I'm kind of meaning it without ego. It's holding the space to allow people to be uplifted. Yes. So for me, I suppose that leadership position is more about holding space. Yes. Rather than telling people what to do. Yes. Because it's in that space that the magic happens. Absolutely. And yeah, they, 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 they may need some help with direction because everybody is able to access that, that, that state of being uh, as well as others. Uh, and there's a lot more ego running in, in some people than others. So though sometimes it, it, you know, it's a question of managing that. But, but really what you're doing is you know, constantly returning to the primacy of being. Yeah. Yeah. No, I'm absolutely in agreement with that. Whose plan is it? Well, my plan was rubbish. Exactly. And again, our plans all come from the subconscious and that's just passing from And they're limited. And they're limited. Exactly. They're, 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 they're stuck within the current understanding. And that's not what's emerging here. Absolutely. So it's exciting to think what the world holds and how it's going to shift and change. Up to you, you create it. <laughs> or I don't. <laughs> well, you are consciously. Or not. Yes. <laughs> but if I get out of my own way, then I'm not creating it. <laughs> yeah, okay, I've got you. <laughs> <Fair play. laughs> I'm learning from you. <laughs> you are <laughs> teaching me now. <laughs> I think that to me is what the beauty is that when you have that working environment that is is a conscious working environment yes. you, you teach each other yes it's a holding of each other and it's um, true it's never been done before so can anybody teach anyone it's allowing the teaching to come through yes like that yeah, yeah. <laughs> well it's been an absolute pleasure to have thank you on you. here and thank yeah, you so so very very much yeah. i am britannia and you've been listening to the inspiring global transformation if you've enjoyed this, make sure you subscribe. And if you have a moment, we would love to hear from you. So please leave us a review. If you want more from me, I have blogs, videos, meditations, courses, social media links, and more on my website, www.britannia.com. That is B-R-I-T-T-A-N-Y-A.com. Thank you so much for listening and lots of love from me to you.